Hello again. Welcome back to another Monday morning edition of the Lion's Edge. I am your host, Chase Kitty. Andrew Dowdy, still out, still traveling the world. Uh, he texted me a photo of where he's at. He is currently climbing the shortest volcano on the island of Sumatra, which is quite luxurious in its remoteness. Uh, like I said, he sent me a picture. Looks like a bonfire on top of a small hill. I don't know what he's... He said anything else would scare the crap out of him. I don't know. Lots to talk about today. College Football National Championship is tonight, so of course, a few notes on that. And reacting to the Week 18 NFL craziness. Uh, one of the most memorable weekends of, of football I think I could probably remember in my adult lifetime. That was a pretty wild Week 18. Uh, the Lions beating the Packers, which of course didn't matter. The Jags beating the Colts, which mattered a great deal. Uh, were the Steelers and Ravens going to tie? Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. What if they do? What does that even mean? Nobody really knows. Scott Hansen's trying to figure it out on the fly. Uh, the BetMGM has a six-figure liability on a Raiders-Chargers tie. Are they going to tie? Yes, of course. Why wouldn't they? No, the Raiders have this game. Oh my God, the Chargers are coming back. Are they, It's going to overtime. Are they going to tie? Yes, no, yes. I'm sure everybody in the BetMGM offices is watching Daniel Carlson you know, line up for this field goal at the end of overtime. Like, please, please make this kick, uh, which of course he did and sends the Raiders to the playoffs. Very, very exciting weekend of football. I will... Get you guys a quick odds summary of the NFL playoffs coming up here shortly. Uh, this is not going to be a particularly long episode because uh, it doesn't need to be, frankly. I haven't had all that much time to digest the playoff odds for the NFL that were just dropped. NFC came out kind of early. I was still awake. AFC, it was like late at night after the, uh, after the Raiders had won. So I have had very little time. I did radio this morning. I haven't had a ton of time to break down like any of the numbers. I have a couple of early leans that I'll share with you. But mostly what I wanted to do today is break down the Alabama-Georgia National Championship game. I have written thousands of words for the BetMGM blog that I would implore you to go check out if you have the chance. A uh, couple, uh, couple of quick reads on Alabama's offense, how it played against Cincinnati, uh, what they what their game plan was for Cincinnati with some comment from Nick Saban and how we can use that information to forecast what they're going to do against Georgia and how effective it will be. I have an odds breakdown for tonight uh, that, that might have some additional information, some, some FEI numbers from Football Outsiders that you might want to go check out. All that, again, is on the BetMGM blog. It's called The Roar. I write lots of stuff there throughout the week, so go check it out. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted to spend five or ten minutes breaking down this game because to me this is one of uh, I, I had strong feelings about the Alabama Ohio State game last year that I put it was at least a thousand dollars on I don't remember exactly how much it was but it was a big bet for me because I was very confident Alabama was going to win that game I have similarly confident feelings about tonight's game. Um, Georgia, Alabama, the SEC championship game rematch, Alabama, of course, 
won the first game. It's what helped propel Bryce Young to the Heisman. Georgia is favored in the rematch. And that alone maybe should tell you all you need to know. The fact that Alabama, the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport, who just beat Georgia a month ago in in a similar matchup, the fact that Alabama is ranked number one by playoff seeds and the lower-seeded Georgia ranked number three is favored over Alabama with all of those qualifiers, that alone might tell you all you need to know. Georgia is favored. You should be betting Georgia. But there's more, okay? Predictably, Alabama has more tickets on it, right? The public bettors love Alabama. They are coming in hard, about 65% of the overall tickets on the point spread, on the on just the regular plus 2.5, minus 2.5, uh, plus 3, minus 3, that kind of thing. Like, most of the tickets on Alabama, about 65%. The handle is split 50-50. Uh, the, the number opened at two and a half. And despite the fact that a flood of money came in on Alabama, the line goes up to three. So we've got reverse line movement. Only came back down to two and a half after uh, some really big bets came in. Like, uh, And I don't know if this is part of a syndicate bet or if it was just one particular bet, but a, a uh, bet MGM wager. Uh, of about $315,000 came in on Alabama at plus, I want to say that they got the three, and that played a part, I would imagine, in moving the number back down to two and a half. Looking at the money line, Alabama opens at plus 115, 91% of the tickets and 90% of the money are coming in on Alabama. Despite that, the line has gone from plus 115 to plus 120. So if you follow the numbers and you understand what all of those things mean, if you're a regular listener to our podcast, you understand that that's not good if you're an Alabama better, right? If they, if the book has massive liability on the Alabama money line, they're probably not going to increase the payout odds unless they feel pretty confident, right? It's just, there's a lot there. There's a lot there in terms of the number and how it breaks down that tells you Georgia is the side. And given that the book probably understands that Alabama as an underdog will be a public position that will sell a lot of tickets, the book opens it and and currently on game day, it remains at two and a half, which is a nice number under the key number of three if the book wants to back the Georgia side, because we've, ta- we've talked about this before, the book will make wagers too, right? They're kind of subtle how they do that, but they are sort of making a wager here that Georgia's the right side. I have not been impressed by Bryce Young. Uh, in, 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 and I guess I should offer, let's offer some context around that statement. Bryce Young is obviously an awesome quarterback, right? I was surprised that it was just consensus at the end of the regular season that he was going to win the Heisman. And that the odds were like minus, you know, 3,000 or whatever they were. Like, he was a heavy favorite to win the Heisman. And I was looking at how he closed the season. Like, he had one good drive at Auburn. Like, they probably should have lost that game. And Bryce Young played really poorly for, didn't make anything happen for like 55 minutes of the game. And then he has one drive at the end of regulation. And they win. Auburn wins that game. Alabama's not making the playoffs. 
Cincinnati, the semifinal. Part of this, again, I wrote about this for the blog. He didn't have a very good game. Part of it was on Saban and the offensive coaching staff because they they looked at Cincinnati's defense and said, hmm, the strength of that team is their corners. They've got multiple NFL defensive backs on that team. They play a 3-3-5 stack defense that has, in base personnel, five defensive backs on the field to try to mess with quarterbacks. We're going to hand the ball off. They've got six dudes at the line of scrimmage, and sometimes they're dropping one of the linebackers. So they've got we've got our awesome offensive line full of SEC caliber NFL draft prospects at offensive line going against three down linemen and two linebackers on the Cincinnati front. Yeah, I think we'll hand the ball off. I, th- I think we'll go ahead and take the ball out of Bryce Young's hands and not have him do very much, which is why he attempted way lower pass attempts than his average. Like, go back and look at it. His QBR was the, like, the uh, passer rating, excuse me, passer rating was one of the lowest of the season. Compare that to the Georgia game, where his QBR was one of the highest of his season. So he just hasn't played very well two of the last three games. Ironically, the game where he did play well was Georgia. And unsurprisingly, he posts the second highest QBR of his career, and Alabama wins the big game against Georgia. I am expecting, when we wrap all of this Bryce Young information together, I'm expecting some negative regression back from where he played in the SEC championship game. I just, I'm not sure he can do that again. That's that's not me necessarily doubting him. That's more me believing in math and just regression to the mean. Uh, so I don't think Alabama's offense is going to play as well. I think Georgia's offense is underrated, and I think the gap between Georgia's defense and Alabama's defense is probably bigger than people understand. And I think the, uh, again, if you look at FEI, and uh, football outsiders metrics. I think a lot of it bears that out. Georgia's defense is just kind of on a different level than everybody else's. On top of that, you have Alabama is not healthy. Georgia is getting healthy. They're probably the most healthy they've been all season going into this game. Alabama, lots has been made of the meshy injury, and that's fine, but they're also missing uh, a corner. They're not going to have Josh Job for this game, who is one of their starting corners. Uh, There are rumors that their other starting corner is also not going to be available. There are multiple injuries on the offensive line for Alabama that we're not sure about. It sounds, from what everything I've read, it sounds like those guys are going to start but maybe be limited or maybe rotate more than they normally would and get the the second string guys in for more snaps than you would normally see them play, especially in a championship game when it's usually, hey, we've got the starters in there and and play your ass off because it's the last game of the season. So all of these things combined, Georgia's the side. Like Georgia is clearly the side for me. And it, it's, I don't even have to think about it. Do not fall into the trap of Alabama plus two and a half. Oh, I'm getting points with Nick Saban. Like what more do I need to know? That's what they want you to feel like, man. Like that's, that's so, so obvious. That's such a square read on this game. So I'm not look. I'm not telling you Alabama can't win because obviously they can. It's Nick Saban. It's Alabama. Of course they can. But the numbers say Georgia here is the side. If you like Georgia, you need to be playing the spread at at minus two and a half. I would also consider a play on the alt line at minus five and a half plus one forty five. Alternate. I'll explain why in a second. 
Alternatively, if you disagree with me and you want to play Alabama, which, look, I'm telling you I think you're wrong, but I get it. Sometimes you just have a different read. If you like Alabama, at least listen to me on this. Do not take Alabama plus the two and a half. Take them to win on the money line. Take them at plus 120. And take them on top of that, alt line, Alabama, minus three and a half, plus 185. Okay? The idea that the point spread here, I mean, this can actually use point spread like misinformation against the book. The fact that the spread here is two and a half is not indicative of how close these teams are, right? That's a marketplace price. That's not, ooh, it's the title game and these two teams are really competitive against each other. Somebody's going to win this game and they're probably going to win it by six or seven points, right? It's not a lock that this is going to be a three-point game. So this is a case where we can actually turn the, the sports book against itself kind of like in blackjack where you know the 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 dealer is forced to play on numbers where you might just go ahead and hold up but they don't have a choice we're kind of turning the sports books need to handicap this game closely against itself by taking these alt lines i expect somebody to win this game by you know six points so that's why i'm looking at georgia minus five and a half or Alabama minus three and a half, and you're getting these higher payouts. I'm still betting the spread for Georgia. And if you're an Alabama fan, you should still bet the money line. I'm talking about a second position on top of this that pays out higher and you're you're betting fewer units. Uh, that is how I would stake a position in this game. I'm not really worried about the total. Uh, I think this could be a total shootout. You have two highly graded offenses. I also could see this turning into more of a, a defensive struggle. Uh, so I, I don't really have a good feel for the total. Most of the tickets are on the over. on down half of a point. So you have some reverse line movement, but not enough for me to be like, ooh, look, definitely want to get in on that. Uh, I'm just leaving the 52 alone. And I am betting Georgia minus the two and a half and also considering those alt line positions. That is how I see tonight's national championship game. That is where we're at with that. Before we go, like I said, quick, quick look at uh, this weekend's upcoming wildcard point spreads. Again, I have not done a ton of research on this. I'm just giving you my early thoughts, okay? So don't hold me to anything that I say here, except for maybe this. Um, the, the one bet I have already made, it's already done, locked in, already made it, was San Francisco. And I feel good about it. But I can already tell I haven't gotten the best of the number because everybody is betting Dallas. BetMGM opens San Francisco as a two and a half point road favorite in Dallas. Dallas has not played well at home this year. They are a bad ATS team in Dallas, ironically. Uh, Big D, not so much. More of a road team. You know who else is a good road team this year? San Francisco. So I, I like the fact that that San Francisco, somewhat ironically, has a big advantage over Dallas in Dallas in terms of looking at how teams have covered this year. I like the fact that it's a two and a half, such an obvious trap spread, especially on the heels of a game where San Francisco needed a comeback overtime win to even get into the playoffs, where Dallas goes to Philadelphia and absolutely destroys them on Saturday. 
big, big fan of all of that, right? I like the fact that the game's on Sunday, so San Francisco gets a full week of rest in. It's not like Dallas is getting an advantage because they played on Saturday and the upcoming game's on Saturday, so Dallas has a full week and San Francisco doesn't. No, no, game's on Sunday. Dallas has an extra day of prep no matter what, but I'm less worried about that when San Francisco gets their own full week. So that's the one that I like right out of the gate. That number has moved from two and a half to three and a half. So I definitely didn't get the best of the number. I came in at three. I would have betted at two and a half. I was winding up to like, I put it in my notes like, ooh, right about like, I've got in my notes, write an article about San Francisco plus two and a half. And by the time I actually went to bet it, it already moved to three. Now it's up to three and a half. And that's a trend we're seeing across the board with a lot of these teams. Uh, A lot of the wildcard weekend underdogs the lines are already going up. Tampa opens as a seven and a half point favorite over Philadelphia. That number now up to eight and a half. Arizona was a three and a half point underdog in Los Angeles against the Rams. That number already up to four and a half. Uh, I, I can't, I haven't really gotten to look at the AFC numbers yet at all. Uh, I can give them to you here. I don't know if they've moved. Kansas City is a 12 and a half point favorite against the Steelers. I can tell you. There's a pretty good chance I will be betting Kansas City in that game. I'll explain why on Thursday. Buffalo is a four and a half point favorite against the Pats. I don't think I want anything to do with that game, but I have seen early tickets on New England. Early money is on Buffalo. And Cincinnati is a six and a half point favorite against the Raiders, which is a very interesting game because it's a Saturday mid-afternoon game which means the Raiders, having played the final game of the regular season, you are going on the road on a short week. They probably won't practice until Tuesday, so you're going to have three days of practice plus probably a walkthrough travel day on Friday, and then the game is Saturday. The Raiders rank 19th in DVOA on offense. They're 23rd in DVOA on defense. This is not really a playoff team on paper. They've kind of willed their way into the playoffs. I am wondering how much gas they have left in the tank. Um, I don't know about the cover situation yet. I will look into it, but I've got to think that the Bengals would win this game uh, just because Las Vegas, I I think is probably running on fumes at this point. I I feel like the over is probably the best bet in that one. The number right now, 48 and a half. Las Vegas' defense uh, is not exactly known for stopping people, and we have seen how prolific Cincinnati's offense has been. I think Derek Carr and and that offense in Las Vegas can keep up with what Cincinnati does in in terms of, I'm not saying they match scores, but that could be a game that's, you know, 35 to 20, and you get enough offense out of both teams to hit the over there. So that that would be, I think, an early total lean for me is, is not exactly relying on the defenses in that one. Like I said, uh, sharp uh, pros Joe split in, in Bills Pats. Lots of tickets on the Patriots plus the points there. They just have not ended the season well. I can understand why Sharps would be on the Bills here in uh, the third game of the season for those two divisional rivals. Tampa, I don't know what to do, man. I, I mean, they're not healthy. The Eagles are a sharp darling. Uh, so I, I, I'm expecting. Lots of people to come in on the Eagles late, but this game's in Tampa. 
I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what to do with that game. I, I'll, I'll get back to you on Thursday. I told you how I feel about San Francisco. Probably going to end up being my favorite bet of the week. Kansas City laying the big number. I would I would go ahead and do it. Um, and I'll tell you why on Thursday. And I lean toward the Rams in this Cardinals-Rams round three. It, it just feels like Arizona trending in the wrong direction or the right direction at the right time is kind of overrated when it comes to the playoffs. But it, it just feels like a matchup thing to me. You have this big, powerful, ridiculous defensive line for L.A. going against a slight Kyler Murray. He's small. He is hurt. Arizona has not been playing their best football of late. I think maybe they have some injury concerns. I did see J.J. Watts potentially going to come back. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. But I would lean L.A. there, and I'll let you know more on Thursday. And that's really it for this episode. I just wanted to come on here, give you the full download on all the numbers, everything I see uh, in terms of the Alabama-Georgia game, and then some early thoughts on wildcard. We will be back on Thursday giving you the scoop on all the wild card games, all the bets, every angle I can find. Uh, until then, enjoy your week, and uh, good luck with the Georgia bet. If you are tailing me, I feel pretty confident you're going to win money. Thanks for checking out The Lion's Edge.